Poet Mary Oliver famously asked, Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? It is a provocative, moving, inspiring, and even challenging question. It's the kind of question that some of us might like to have on a coffee mug, or a bookmark, or a screensaver, or a wall in our house. It's the kind of question we might imagine appearing on one of those generic office leadership posters. There's a mountain and crazy Tom Cruise is hanging off the edge of it. And superimposed over that image, you see this question. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? It's the kind of question that can make us uncomfortable, make us shift around in our pews because we may not know the answer or because we may not know if the thing we're wanting or wishing for could ever actually come true. It's the kind of question that can take us out of the moment, prompting us to romanticize about the past and how great we remember it was or long for a future that's different than our present, with different people and different tasks and different accomplishments in different places. As we fantasize about what might have been or what yet could be. And yet, Mary Oliver's own answer to the question seems to suggest that she's asking it to prompt us toward the exact opposite conclusion. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Is the last line of a poem Mary Oliver wrote entitled Summer Day. And her answer to the question seems to be embedded in the words of the poem that preceded it. So what I want to do is read that poem to you because the insight that's embedded in that poem seems to be interconnected with what God is trying to get the Jewish people in Jeremiah 29 to embrace and embody. And it's also not so coincidentally connected to accessing the kind of life that Jesus called the abundant life. So that, all, that seems pretty important. So here's the poem. Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is, I do know how to pay attention, though. How to fall down into the grass. How to kneel down in the grass. How to be idle and blessed. How to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. 
Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? And then the question. Tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What Mary Oliver intended to do with her one wild and precious life was to be present to it as she lived it. To be where she was, to be who she was, to notice where she was, and to savor where she was, to invest and learn where she was, to receive all of the gifts of where she was in that moment, whatever that moment was, wherever that moment was, because she knew that this, this was her life. And if her life was to be lived abundantly, if she was to experience, truly experience, the life that is truly life, then she was going to have to learn to fully live the life she'd been given. Her life. Jesus once said, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within your grasp. Do you not perceive it? He asked. Mary Oliver spent her days perceiving it. And Jesus wants each and every single one of us to perceive it as well. To live it and to live it fully. To fully live the life that is within our grasp. And I think that is a huge part of what God was trying to get these people to understand through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 29 of this book. Hear the words of verse 1 again. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent to Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests and prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. These words are from God through the prophet to a people who are living in exile in Babylon. Now last week we heard the words through the prophet Habakkuk, How long, O Lord? And that is exactly the sentiment these people in Jeremiah are feeling. In fact, they are the exact same people. These people have been conquered and captured. They've been taken from their land and taken from their temple, which to them meant that they'd been taken away from the presence of God and everything they held special and good in their lives. Life had ceased to be abundant for one reason or another, and they had plenty of good reasons. They were suffering and struggling. They were wrestling with hopelessness. They were longing for life to either be like it was in a better past or as they hoped it might be in a better future. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever wished for life to be like it was in that better past or, or longed and hoped for life to be like it could be in the future that you are imagining? Have you ever spent long Periods of time lost in the nostalgia of the past. Have you ever spent long periods of time fantasizing about a better future? Neither is bad. Both 
can be incredibly comforting and inspiring. Remembering is not bad. Jesus told us to remember. And planning is not bad. Jesus asked us to plan. These are both good things. And also, if we spend all of our time wallowing in the nostalgia of the past or game planning for the successes or the possible pitfalls of the future, it will inevitably happen is that we will lose out on the experience of actually living the life that we've been given. Enjoying it. Savoring it. Really learning from it and growing from the life that has actually been given to you now. The life that can only be really savored, fully savored, in the present. And this seems to be what God is trying to get these people to understand and embrace very specifically in Jeremiah 29. Look again at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray for the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now that word welfare in Jeremiah 29, and it appears in a couple of other places in the, pastor, in the, in the passage, is translated prosperity or peace in, in some translations. And all of those are helpful to some degree. But actually the only all-encompassing idea that holds it all together comes in the Hebrew word shalom. Which is about justice and joy and love, and gratitude, and peace permeating all of life. Shalom is what the world would be like if all of creation and all peoples in creation were living together in perfect harmony. Shalom is abundant life. The life that is truly life. Shalom is the way God intends for things to be and is what we get a taste of when we actually live this one wild and precious life. And right here in Jeremiah 29, God gives us a glimpse of what they and we might do right now to experience that life right now. Now several things stand out in the passage, but I really want to highlight two things because I think those two things are things we can begin to apply to our lives right now, this week. First, build houses. Some of you are thinking, I'm out. <laughs> Plant gardens. Enjoy your family. Or in other words, be where you are. Learn where you are. Live and love where you are with the ones God has given you to live and love. Do you understand what I'm saying? When Paul invites us to pray without ceasing, it's not an invitation for us to close our eyes and walk around intercessing right and left, but for us to be fully present contemplatively in every moment as an act of prayer without ceasing. 
to fully be present to this life and all that God has given us in this life. Does does that make sense? The late Pastor Kyle Lake really seemed to get this, or at least did a wonderful job pointing us toward this with his last words. Words that when I read them again, I thought these could have been a modern translation of what God was trying to say through Jeremiah to the people of Israel in exile. Kyle was a pastor I knew in Waco, Texas many years ago. We weren't close friends, but we shared many close friends, and and we were good acquaintances in in life and in ministry. And some of you may remember that Kyle died in a tragic accident one Sunday morning at church, actually. And he didn't get to preach his last sermon that morning, but they did find his manuscript, and the final words of that sermon manuscript seemed to be written as if he knew they were the last words he might offer the world. So I want to share them with you again now, hoping that we might take them to heart today. Kyle wrote this. Live and live well. Breathe. Breathe in and breathe deeply. Be present. Do not be past. Do not be future, be now. On a crystal clear, breezy 70 degree day, roll down the windows and feel the wind against your skin. Feel the warmth of the sun. If you run, then allow those first few breaths on a cool autumn day to freeze your lungs. And do not be alarmed, be alive. Get knee-deep in a novel and lose track of time. And if you bike, pedal hard. And if you crash, then crash well. Feel the satisfaction of a job well done, a paper well written, a project thoroughly completed, a play well performed. And if you must wipe the snot from your three-year-old's nose, Don't be disgusted if the Kleenex didn't catch it all, because soon he'll be wiping his own nose. And if you've recently experienced loss, then grieve, and grieve well. At the table with friends and family, laugh. And if you're eating and laughing at the same time, then you might as well laugh until you puke. And if you eat, then smell. The aromas are not impediments to your day. Steak on the grill, coffee beans freshly ground, cookies in the oven. Taste. Taste every ounce of flavor. Taste every ounce of friendship. Taste every ounce of life. Because it is most definitely a gift. It's a gift. Life is a gift from God and the abundance of it is only experienced as we learn to lean into it and live into it for, uh, fully where we are in the present. Be present to the people in your lives. Be present to the circumstances in your lives. Do not rush past them to the things that you think are life because they are your life. Pastor once asked Dallas Willard to share with him some of the greatest insights he could 
to give into experiencing the good life, the life that God wants for us. Dallas Willard paused and then he said very thoughtfully, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The ruthless elimination of hurry. He thought, oh, that's great. Anything else? To which Dallas Willard responded, there is nothing else. The ruthless elimination of hurry. Which doesn't mean we don't do things, doesn't mean we don't get a lot of things done. It means to a great extent that in those many things that we're getting done, we learn to slow down. Let the game slow down for us as it does for great athletes. And live our lives, be present to it, learn to enter into the posture of presence to the things that we are doing and the people we are doing them with. Where we are. Not in the past. Not in some other place, but here and now. That's the first thing I want to highlight from this passage today. The second thing, quickly, is related. Seek the shalom of the city where I have sent you. For it is in its shalom that you will find your shalom. Now, did you catch that very important nugget of truth? Seek shalom. Seek wholeness. Seek peace. Seek joy and flourishing in the place where you are for the people who are in your life, in the families and neighborhoods and workplaces and churches where you now live. For it's in them finding their shalom. It's in them finding the richness and flourishing in their lives that you will find it in your life. Would you like to experience more of the abundant life in your own life? Stop looking for it elsewhere. Stop looking for it with someone else or somewhere else and start working for it and receiving it where you are each and every single day. Build, plant, invest where you are. Pay attention to the good gifts that God has for you in every relationship. Do not be past. Do not be future. Be now. Pay attention to the gifts God has for you even in the most difficult relationships. Right now. For the kingdom of God is here and now. The kingdom of God is within your grasp. It is yours for the taking. It's yours for the living. It's yours for the receiving. Thus saith the Lord. It is. And so now, in light of all of that, tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? We consider this as we continue to worship.